the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello. Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. We're your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Glad you're here. Glad you're listening. Say hi, Donnie. Hi. Hi. I'm here. (laughs) You're here. Well, about 50%. (laughs) Uh, This show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. We have a detox and recovery program. The detox portion is two weeks long, 10 to 14 days, medical safe detox, located inside St. Joseph's Hospital downtown. And then we also offer what we call RST, which is the Recovery Support Team. Uh, It is free. It is included with all successful discharges. You get a recovery coach, recovery support team assigned to you. We have an e-recovery app, relapse prevention platform. We have alumni things and virtual Zoom options. There's just all sorts of ways we get you plugged into a recovery community free for two years after you leave our detox. And you can start rebuilding your life. Yeah, you get to rebuild a really cool life. So if you or a loved one would like any information about the Matthews Hope Detox and Recovery Program, visit our website www.mhdrp.org or herbert.org or give us a call 844-AND-HOPE that is 844-263-4673 As usual you're listening to us in H-Town 1pm Central on Sundays on KPRC 950 or you can listen to us on the iHeartRadio app there's a channel called KPRC 950 if you're not in Houston and you want to listen to us live on Sundays you can listen there. Yeah. At the end of Sunday, they upload our show to a podcast, uh, Relevant Recovery Radio. On the iHeart app. All of our yeah. past episodes are there. You can listen to any of our past episodes, <clears throat> share them with your loved ones. And we're yeah. also on Facebook and Instagram. So you They can... work really well to put children to sleep. Just play it in the <laughs> corner and they'll go to sleep immediately. <laughs> you sound like you're going to sleep right now. I am. I could use a shot of meth. I am really, really tired today. <laughs> Me too. Do normal people say that? Uh, no, normal people don't. <clears throat> what do they use to wake themselves up? Coffee. That's it? Probably. We mainline that in the morning. <laughs> that's not really going to help me. Red Bull. Yeah, that's what I do coffee no. and Red Bull in the morning. Um, not good I'm just for my like kind of, but... I'm kind of out of it today. I'm, well, well, this is the perfect episode because I'm a little bit, yeah, I'll, don't worry. I'll lead into your topic. <laughs> All right, girl, you just sit down. Well, I was going to say that I bet you're also tired because of our crappy mattress, number three, and that I wanted to update our listeners oh, no. on our mattress saga. Oh, no. So <laughs> we now have a king-size bed. But a queen-size mattress. tiny, <laughs> tiny mattress on it. <laughs> <laughs> with a tiny mattress. We are in transition. We're in a transitional period. Oh. And uh, and so I liked our original mattress. You hated it. That was mattress number one. We bought yeah. the most expensive. Why does it cause, it cause, it causes my skin to bristle with antagonism when you bring up the original mattress. You're like, well, I loved it. Well, you didn't have a divot on your side <laughs> on the $500 cheapo mattress. You hated it. Um, I conceded and, and we bought a new one, the most expensive one at the mattress store. We hated it. Yep, together. We, we returned it and ate $500 in return fees. Then we bought mattress number two. two technically three if you conclude the original no, one. we don't want to include the original one because we had it for five years. Okay, so we bought a second new mattress, which is the one we're currently on. We hate it. We both hate it. And Now listen. 
it's a good mattress. So yeah. we bought a Helix. It, we great. like it, but not it's not for, good for me. It's not good for me in a bed with you. If you weren't in bed with me, it'd be fine. <laughs> and why, so, why do I take that so personally? So anyways, um, and so we decided to return the Helix. And, uh, and we're moving on. We're moving on, and I conceded to a king-size bed and mattress, and so I went and bought the frame and the box springs. And then It looks so giant in our bedroom. And we've ordered our third new mattress it in so many months. It literally looks like an imperial bed at this point, because <laughs> it's like this giant bed with this giant headboard, and it's got like the box springs, and the next level is the <laughs> tiny, tiny mattress, but it looks like it has levels. I'm five foot, so I literally have to use the frame and then the box springs to climb up like stairs into this king-size contraption. So we've ordered a sattva a so sattva. we'll let you know what happens with it now <laughs> the helix is one of those that you order it and it comes in a box and you unroll it and it, it inflates or whatever let's air yeah in. which is like the thing nowadays but it's it, and it, it was, was fine great. at Mattress. first it was way better than the beauty rest we think it's possible we ruined it because with the adjustable base we have a it's a 14 and a half inch mattress on an adjustable base <clears throat> Heather loves to put the base up and down and do all that. What it's for. And we're thinking that we should have had an 11 and a half if we were going to do that. We may have rent the the integrity. May have what? The, the integrity. May have what? May have rent it. Okay. Rent the integrity. I want you to go to our Facebook, <laughs> Relevant Recovery Radio on Facebook, and let Heather know that rent is not a word. <laughs> we rent the integrity of the helix. So we got to we gotta switch it. And so uh, when, once we finally do find a mattress we love, they should sponsor this show because we're going to talk about it incessantly. Well, so we have a sattva. It's a normal well, we mattress. A, that, we don't have it yet. Well, it'll be here on the 11th, yeah. and it's a normal one that... Um, is, it comes on a truck, like they are delivering it's it. It's not a full-sized white glove delivery real mattress. <sighs> I just, I just want to sleep. One more week, honey. One more week. But although the brown noise has been helping, yeah, we've been sleeping really well with the brown noise. Yeah, we'll have to explain that later. Another what that is, um, and- because there was a South Park episode on it where every time they played the brown noise, people would poop their pants. It's pretty what? funny. Yeah, I didn't know why you made the poop joke every time yeah. I. Oh, played. I didn't. Okay. I haven't watched South so, Park. I've, I'm off today. Yes, you are. And and it's because not from work, just mentally. I've uh, I've started a new position in my company. Uh, I will be doing both positions. <clears throat> I'm so I have to finish all of my work that I had, like sort of going my projects, and I'm being brought into this new group with these new projects. I had to explain why I couldn't attend an important meeting today. So today is Tuesday. Well, it's not when 1 they're listening. They listen to us on Sunday. Central when yeah. we're recording. Yeah. And I had to explain why I had this reoccurring lunchtime appointment <laughs> that I couldn't go to this meeting. So then they rescheduled it for the same time slot next week. And I'm just like, so I'm stressed. So I'm what worried. you're saying I'm, is you're under a lot of stress right now. I I'm not letting it get to me, but it's getting to me a little bit. Oh, it's getting to, to you. Bit. You threatened to drive old Donnie style on the way here, so oh. it's getting to you. And so well, that's just because the the drivers in Houston are savages. Yeah, that stresses me out. And so, if you can guess what the topic is today, it is worry, stress, anxiety. Oh, oh my. my! Oh my! And so we're going to talk oh, about Lord. lots of different ways that stress, anxiety, and worry steal our joy and steal our happiness in life. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this quick break.
Welcome back to Relevant... Re- Why are you staring at me like that? That's weird. I don't like it when you do it like that. I was going to... Okay, I'll do my radio voice. All right, what's it? Welcome back to Relevant Radio. Okay, I'm, I'm taking applications for a new co-host. <laughs> and <laughs> we're talking about worry, stress, and anxiety. Yeah. Oh, my, today. Yeah. And so I wanted to share and open ourselves up to our listeners on a few different ways that stress or worry or anxiety affect us and how... Uh, we deal with it. We're going to wait for the solution. So what, this is like the why. This is like the what is it and why. Like how does it affect us? And I think that, for instance, I want to give our listeners like a glimpse into our life of things that we stress or worry about. Um, one yeah. thing that affects you greatly stress-wise is driving. Like you were saying before we went to the break, that drivers in Houston are savages. And they I want are. you to talk for a minute about how that affects you. What bothers you? How does it affect you? How does it make you feel, Donnie? Even when I drove fast, I've always been, as much as I can, a courteous driver. What I mean... (laughs) Yes, true. It just sounds funny when you say it. But I I, I have been. And what I mean by that is that I'll use a blinker, that I will not, you know, cut somebody real close, that I... I may, I may have gone fast, but I was a courteous driver. And then I decided, God sort of put it on my heart, drive like the speed limit and follow the rules like you're supposed to. And I started doing the speed limit. And in Houston, that's... That's like that's a sin it's in Houston. Asking for road death, right? <laughs> road rage, because um, I I now have to go five over at least. So on most of the inner you know inner city freeways in Houston, it's sixty. But if you don't go sixty five, if you go sixty, people are honking at you, and you literally almost get hit because it's not safe to go the speed limit because people are flying all around you to get past you. You and drive costs- the average when you go with the flow of traffic. What do you drive? Like seventy, seventy five, sometimes eighty, depends on the flow of traffic. Right, right. That's crazy, and. So, I have to, but people are still flying by me even when I'm doing 80. It depends on what lane I'm in. Right. If you fall all the way to the right to go slower, people are like not courteous and they're trying to get on and off and, and they'll run and you I off think the that's road. What gets to me. And it's, if you go to the left to try to stay away from people, those are the people doing 100, so you can't get in that lane safely either. It's the same problem that you've been pointing out to me since you've been riding with me. Ready for it? Yep. Drum roll. Mm-hmm. expectations. Yes. And so that's my point. You expect people to drive a certain way now that you're driving a certain way. And when they don't, it causes stress or worry in you. Right. And this so, is, I mean, trust me, this is how road rage happens. I've considered it on multiple Donnie. occasions. And so I want to talk about some ways that things stress me out. Uh, I get really stressed out around like the budget and like our financial goals. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I will be very black and white in my thinking that I've planned for it to be a certain way this month. It has to go this way. And there can be no like snags in the plan. Right. And it's At I'm all. The, no I'm, deviation. And I'm the same way with my schedule. And if my boss, Jennifer, is listening, she'll laugh when she hears this because I hate it when plans change. I absolutely hate it when I'm I'm you asked cannot, to be spontaneous with my schedule. And I'm like, yeah. I scheduled something else at that time three weeks ago. So, no, you're sorry. You're out of luck, you know. And you hate that about me. I do. I do. Because I, I'm I really am. I'm probably just looser with things in that area. Like, so our personality is different there and I can just kind of roll with the flow. Like I can't roll with the flow. I generally now I've had packed days that make me crazy, right? Where you're just literally boom, 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 boom. And having to be places all day long. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but typically I can just roll with it. I don't really care. Like I just look at what's the next thing I have to be to Yeah. and I'm just not stressing. I can't, it has to be locked in my calendar at least two weeks in advance and I have to We got an argument prepare. in the lobby here today. Today, yes. Because you wanted to change our schedule next week. Because I have this. You don't have to go into the why. You wanted to change my schedule and I can't be flexible <laughs> it didn't and do matter it. Why. Don't even talk about the why. It here's why. Matter. Ladies and gentlemen, here's why. I'm going to be dead. I'm planning to be dead next Tuesday when we record. <laughs> and it's and inconvenient she was like, for me. I yeah. need you to do it after Tuesday um, so I can keep my calendar on task. But that that's just how my brain works. And so hopefully any of our listeners can identify with being like a perfectionist and detail oriented and OCD with their calendar. And, and so, that's the way you are with money and with my calendar. But there's other certain things too hmm. um, around the house. So our kitchen, we have a giant kitchen with lots of countertop and a big island. But the island is what Heather has staked her identity on. <laughs> Right. So, no, you just can't you, put your crap on my island. When you walk in our kitchen, the island's like to your left, but straight ahead, there's like, and a lot of people know this in the 90s when they built houses and kitchen, or when they built houses. The little it, phone desk. Yeah, yeah. They have the little phone desk where you would have your phone book and some people put a computer there. Heather will stack stuff there like Jenga, and that's okay. But as long as you don't put <laughs> anything on the here's, island. Here's what's true. I feel like I've compromised in my attention to detail, OCDness, because... No, um, you haven't. Because I you, actually don't like anything being on any of the kitchen counters at all. Unless it's serving you. Uh, unless it's my purpose, yes. <laughs> um, but I don't like it when you leave stuff. I don't like it when you leave a mess. I don't like when you yeah. leave a lid to a Tupperware. It's like, your keys don't go there, bro. And I remember when I lobbied... And I lobbied literally like a political lobbyist to get a food processor. So I don't want it on my counter. I do, Where I are do, you going to store it? I what cabinet cooking. is it going to go in? I do the cooking. And I love this new food processor, by the way. Which you got. And Compromise. I had it on the counter. And immediately you were like, um, where's it going to go? It's not going to go on the counter. But a few days later... My you juicer was out. Decided yeah. to try juicing and left the juicer on the counter for weeks. I, well, and I that needed was to okay. use it every three or four days. So I want to clarify this. I don't like that about me. I wanted it to have a, a home to that go somewhere off makes my counter. Two of us. <laughs> so, anyways, the point of the show is Heather's we're trying selfish to give you, and self centeredness. Yeah, I am. I, so, here's the thing <laughs> I want to talk about a deeper more debilitating side of anxiety because this okay. is a real problem in society it is everybody's on like benzos and it's it's really and this has to do a lot with recovery because most i would say most what is the most chronic drug addicts and alcoholics trying to get sober will complain of anxiety issues what's the pills they call bars it's a Xanax. Xanax. Has that always been as prevalent as it, as it is today? For a few do you decades. Think? I, I don't. I don't know. For a few decades. I mean, even back in the fifties, it was Mom's Little Helper <laughs> for oh, really? hysteria. Yeah, <laughs> that's so great. Mom's Along with a... the cough syrup with like morphine in it. Like, and, and <laughs> well, when I was a kid, it was White Cross Speed tablets. They were all taken White Cross. Like Mom's are little Mom's drug Mom's Little Helper. But I think that like life has always had its challenges, no matter what decade you're born in. But yeah. I do think our opinion is is that society is severely overprescribed. Uh, medications. I do believe that. But this applies to recovery because for someone who is a chronic alcoholic or a chronic drug addict, narcotics are a big problem even if you think you need it. Even if you have symptoms that a normal person could take that medication for. So you believe that doctors and pharmaceuticals have ruined our society. They ruined it. Now, some people need it, but it's problematic if you're chronic or whatever. But because here's my thing. Who I, needs it? Well, I don't, people that aren't chronic. <laughs> that, but who needs it? Uh, I don't know. That's not for me to decide. I know I can't take it. 
But here's here's my angle with it. I want to explain that previously in my I would call it my old life. This was I had like about a decade where I was sober. I was not abusing drugs or alcohol. There's a lot of curse words that are coming to mind right now to describe you. <laughs> I was maladacious, as, as we would say, yeah. in the 12-step world. Yeah. And so what came out of me for that 10 years that I'm sober mm-hmm. was huge issues with anxiety and depression and social anxiety and phobias. And, and so I had all of these things that I was going to psychologists and doctors for and begging for help, and, and right. they're like, okay, DSM-5, this fits, let's medicate this, and all of that. And I had no idea. that I was diagnosed with a generalized anxiety disorder. There's other types. So you, you could have legit been on some Xanax. I could have. Um, I found opiates that worked way better than <laughs> benzos, in my here's, opinion. <laughs> the, here's the reason I ask, as I was listening on Joe Rogan, and he had a guy on there, Dr. Gabor Mate. Okay. And what he said is that we have over-prescribed our society Mm -hmm. for something that is so rare and doesn't really exist. As far as a chemical imbalance, yeah. We're we're, we're chemically treating a feeling. Well, he said a couple of things. He said, number one, um, this SSRI craze, this antidepressant craze, this depression is not actually a real thing. For some people, for yeah. some, for mm-hmm. most, probably. Well, my, my point is, mine there, but was it is also... real for some. Like I have yeah. a very close friend, James, who if he doesn't have it, he gets suicidal. So yeah. it is real for some. I, I want to say that, but we've prescribed like I don't feel good. Well, here you go. You know what? I was feeling a little sad yesterday, and this is what he was talking about: is that people are like, you know what? I'm stressed. I'm anxious. I'm stressed. I'm anxious. And instead of getting to the root of, of their lack and of what what to do spiritual about spiritual life or or lack of whatever, they are just taking pills to change the way they feel instead of just feeling what they need to feel. Right, right. All right, so don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be talking about stress, worry, and anxiety. Oh, my. Recovery Radio. I'm the co-host, Dr. Donnie Moser, <laughs> with our host, Dr. Heather Moser. Anyways, we're talking about worry, stress, and anxiety. And so what the, what he was saying was that anxiety, this, this stress that people feel, is not really... It's not a disease. It's, it's not, not a, an illness. It's not, a, it's it's not, not a, a... Well, it is in a sense that it's, it's not always a chemical imbalance just because you feel that. That reality is real, right? right? And so that's what I'm trying to say is... And what, what, but, well, let me finish. So what they were both talking about and what Rogan has had other people on that they talk about is that America itself is in a comfort crisis. Yes. That we are so comfortable all the time that we cannot... Or at least we, we feel entitled to be comfortable all the time. And, we and can't so if stand... I feel any amount of stress, I'm like, oh, there's something wrong with this situation. Let me go medicate that or treat that. And it's like, well, maybe it's meant to motivate you. And what, what Dr. Mate was talking about a lot is the fact that we suffer certain traumas at kids that are never dealt with. We certain mm-hmm. we, we do suffer these certain I don't know. I don't know if you want to call them traumas, but these things that happen to us as kids. Yeah, and some anxieties are from different traumas. That go untreated. So he was saying that, you know, therapy could be a good fix for some of this. Mm -hmm. You know, yoga, meditation, there's so many things, uh, lowering expectations, all that kind of stuff. But what he was saying is that in America, 
I feel sad. Give me a pill. Right. I, you know what? I don't feel right. G- give me a pill. And, and it's a real problem. And it is a problem because the way that we feel isn't always, sometimes it is, but it is not always due to a chemical imbalance that that medication fixes. It becomes a right. Band-Aid or a crutch without ever treating the real symptom. And then you're stuck being on a medication forever yeah. without really treating the underlying conditions. And so I, I did some research on like how common anxiety is uh, from 2020 on because, of, you know, COVID and the pandemic and Do the lockdown. Do you think that social media has driven these numbers? For sure. And, and the news? Yeah. Talk about that in a second. But okay. I, in 2020, they did a survey that says 62% of all the respondents reported experiencing anxiety on the regular to some degree. Oh, right? wow. 62%. That's more than half of the country. That's you crazy. Know? And so I want to talk about how common being diagnosed or feeling like you have an anxiety disorder is and like I was saying earlier there's different types of anxiety there's like generalized anxiety there's phobias and where particularly you have a fear around some sort of object activity or situation the one that I struggled with big time was social anxiety disorder and when I was newly sober going to 12-step meetings and having to stand up and or share or or get a chip I had like literal panic attacks around the social anxiety. I would change my clothes 10 times. I would cry in my sober house bedroom floor because I didn't want to go be around people. <laughs> it sounds really vain or shallow or self-obsessed. It when actually, I, it, and, no, but no, no, it, it is. But it does. It is. <laughs> it literally is. And um, when I went on a, a process of researching what I can do about my social anxiety, because I was already in the 12-step world, I was lucky enough to attach the spiritual mindset into that already, um, which is and realized that it was just just plain I, old self anxiety. Uh, you know, self obsession. At the center of my anxiety was my obsession with me. I, 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 I. What? How? Yeah. What are they going to see in me? How are they going to feel about me? Blah 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 blah. It wasn't whatever I could. Are bring. they going to look at my rear end when I run down? <laughs> that the was literally bases? in my head. Like you wouldn't and play softball. I would not because... play sober softball because I didn't want to run in in front of people because I'm too obsessed with myself. Of wow. what they, how they would perceive me, and and so I hope our listener. I know I'm not the only one in the world that thinks. How do I present myself? Are they looking at me? Or you know, in this anxiety. Well, I mean, we know that simply because we live in a world of selfies and Snapchat <laughs> and look at me, look at me, look, look at, at me. me. Look at me. I think that here's what most people that are newly sober do not know. Newly sober. Can you give this secret out? Yeah, we okay. we meet people that are newly sober all the time. Yeah. And what they really focus on a lot of times is, oh, my stress, oh, my anxiety, oh, you know, and I and I giggle a little inside, not because I lack compassion. I know that that's their reality. This is because you've grown. I giggle at them. I, no. <laughs> I, I'm like, yeah, bro, we all do. It's yeah. a symptom of untreated alcoholism. Yeah. It is a symptom of being spiritually sick. Yeah. And... Not always. Sometimes there's a chemical imbalance and sometimes there's no spiritual deficit. So this isn't an always or never. But nine times out of 10, someone who's really obsessed with themselves and has all this anxiety and this worry and no freedom around it, they're generally still still really obsessed with themselves. Well, and you and I, who suffered from major um, or a very large self-obsession issues, both of us, when we got sober, we were a hundred percent self-obsessed so therefore when you've had it you can spot it right we can spot it and so the people that are self-obsessed are the ones that are the most anxious the most worried the most and it'll come out a different way i'm not saying these are mean malicious people it'll come out through like people pleasing you're so obsessed with what so and so thinks of you or that so and so's happy with you now you leave melly alone (laughs) 
It's people pleasing. Yeah. And it's still a version of self obsession. You don't you don't want these people to have a negative opinion of you. You're still I mean, really I suffer obsessed. from that from I'm, I it's rare nowadays, but I still yeah, do. Yeah, not at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't care what you think about me. You're stuck to me for life. And so I want to go on this like rabbit hole for a moment because when I was experiencing more than a decade yeah. of anxiety, depression, and and, and anxiety is different than depression. I just want to say that. Anxiety is more about a constant state of like stress and worry, but the depression is more of like the hopelessness yeah. uh, of, you know, they're, they're a little bit different. But I struggled with both the whole time that I was spiritually sick. Mm-hmm. And as I got spiritually fit, things started to change and I was blown away. And so what I want to say is I, I had went to psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists all those years before heroin, right? Right. And they tried lots of medications on me and stuff. And, and so there are some good tips on on how to, things to try to treat anxiety. So during that time, is there anything they could have given you, prescribed to you, or done for you that would have fixed it? It didn't work long term. It was always a Band-Aid. Okay. It was always a Band-Aid because my problem wasn't chemical. My problem was spiritual and we had no clue. Me and the doctors had no clue. So it was more of a, let me just go ahead and do this chemical because at least for the time it's in me, I'm not thinking I'd about all this issue. I always thought because my mom does live with a real mental health condition um, and medication does treat what's wrong with her. Is loving and kindness a condition? Because she's the sweetest she's woman so ever. She's so sweet. Uh, but she lives with schizophrenia, paranoid schizophrenia. And she's a Pentecostal. And she's Pentecostal. We should always throw that in. <laughs> and so watching her go to doctors and be treated kind of just ingrained in my mind that, oh, you need a diagnosis and a pill and then you can get fixed. Yeah. That was a subconscious thought, but that's just kind of what I saw through my whole teens. I think that's sort of the... That's the idea in society yeah, in general. <laughs> it really but, is. but what I'm saying is, is she really needs it and it works great for her. Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and I love so, her. Um, that's what I was searching for throughout all of my 20s. And and they would give me great coping skills like limit alcohol or limit caffeine and uh, try to have a better positive attitude. Like, I can't tell you how many psychiatrists wanted me to write positive affirmation sticky notes all over my house, mm. you, you know? And they wanted me to exercise. They wanted me to take time for me. How did that go? How did your... I don't like exercising. Let's skip over <laughs> that one. They wanted me to take time for me and like self-care and all this yeah. time, like bubble baths and whatever. But we didn't know you that I was- You take time to relax well. I do that well because I'm very obsessed with me. I don't need a reminder to take me time. I'm very focused on me time but, all the time, but, but some people do. But hold on. Here's what I would say is that you and I are definitely yin and yang in a lot of areas. And where I don't stress over money like you do or schedules or anything like that, I have trouble sitting still to relax. I have to make a big deal about it. Like, I am going to sit down for these hours today and do nothing. And then I, I sit down for 20 minutes. I'm like, you're bored. Man, I really could trim those bushes in the back or I could, you know. the yard. Yeah, I mean, so. You have a hard time sitting still and I don't. But, but I will say, do you, have you seen a change in me in the last three weeks of riding my spiritually, bike? Spiritually, your mood is very different when you exercise regularly. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what it would be like if I did. Who I've knows? Because I'm never going to do it. But I wonder I've what it would praying, be like. <laughs> I've, been praying, I've been praying to the Lord that you will exercise with me. But what I'm saying, things like getting enough sleep, taking Which time. we haven't been We for haven't months. because of the mattress saga. And do you so, want to talk about it some more? Let's not talk about that. Let's skim over that. Okay. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is. What about professional help? All of these things. Yes, that's all good. All of these things are uh, coping skills. 
Well, they're external fixes to an internal they're problem, exter- Heather. I know, but that's fine for some people. So what I'm saying is if you try all of these things and they work great for you, new coping skills and And you don't need to thing, take a pill. And yeah. More then, power to then you. Cool. That's yeah. fantastic. But there is a huge population of us that do all of these things and yet experience no freedom from anxiety and depression. And that's the population I'm talking to today. There was one on, on your thing that we were looking at. It said positive attitude. Yeah, that's what I said. They that's ha- stupid. They had me put positive affirmation sticky <laughs> so notes all over stupid. my house. And I just got to resent them. Like, but it you didn't can change work for that me. out with gratitude. Yeah. You, you put gratitude there and I believe I'm and That's I'm what with we're going to dive into next because- Here's the thing. It is impossible yeah. to have worry and stress and anxiety if your heart's actually full of gratitude. And what I realized now that I did not realize then is I didn't have a speck of gratitude in my heart in that, yeah. that old old lifestyle. You really didn't. I did not. Yeah. I, and I, I would venture to guess that a lot of people that still struggle with this struggle with living in gratitude day to day. And we, you can't just decide to become grateful. I'll take us out with this. I've been teaching a class with our pastor at church on soul keeping, and that has been one of our big focuses. When we did a little group exercise and said, hey, what are you grateful for in your life? You'd be shocked that people couldn't. These are church folk who could not figure out what, what they, they were, were grateful, grateful for. for. The simple things. I got a house, a job, air conditioning, a bed. They couldn't even. So, hey, don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back in a few minutes. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. We're back. <laughs> you were looking at me like you're waiting for me to do it. But then... I like to mess with you every time I'm coming in and either do something stupid or just stare at you and you get all nervous. It's Anyways, great. Anyways, we're talking about worry, stress, and anxiety. Oh my. Oh my. Yeah. Today. And, um, okay, so what I was saying was gratitude. Gratitude is hard. You cannot just decide to be grateful. But you can practice with lists. And what we found is that these... Seemingly spiritual people, whether that you know they fall anywhere on the scale of spirituality, were like struggling to think of things to be grateful for. Yeah. When living in America, a great popula a great portion of the population should not have to struggle. We are a consumer nation. We are like one of the richest nat- nations in the world. We blah 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 blah. I mean, so literally. But I think that's kind of the problem, honestly. Well, I think that. But my gratitude usually does start out with, I have a job. I have a roof. I have a bed, even though we don't like the mattress. Air I conditioning. Have, yeah. Food. Uh, because we we pass people every day. Because here's an example of what I'm talking about. Um, when I got sober, I lived in sober living. Yeah. For a long time, and then when you and I moved in together, mm-hmm. um, then I had a home to take care of, and it was the first time I had a home to take care of in many years because mm-hmm. I'd been on drugs and homeless. Now I owned a home for ten years way before all that. Yeah. But, okay, years had passed. I remember feeling really stressed out that I had to do the dishes, or I had to mop the floors, or that I didn't know how to deep clean a bathroom. That was and, a rough time. Like it was a rough chapter or season in our lives yes, and i had was. to like google how to clean a house you had a rough know. time getting off a couch and it wasn't your fault you had been in sober living where like you were either working with newcomers or you were just kind of sitting around 
or gone to meetings. Yeah. You, 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 know, you only really, had to make your bed. You had one chore a week in the house. <laughs> yeah. That was it. Yeah. And so then I had this home. I remember one time you Googled a chart. I did on how because to clean I didn't know how to do baseboards. I didn't know what schedule do you do. Yeah. Thing, what do you do every day? What do you do once a week? What do you do once a month? I remember like, praying to the Lord, like, what have you sent me, Lord? <laughs> My point is, <laughs> is that I know I'm not the only person listening to this podcast right now that struggles to feel grateful that you get to do the dishes. Yeah. I'm not the only person that Isn't struggles that to, to try to be grateful that you have laundry to wash and fold and put up, that you have clothes. And here's the thing is that when, when are we moving together? Mm, 2018. Two different people, you and that lady. Let yeah. me just tell you. I mean, our house, people are now constantly like commenting spotless. and it, like our house looks like people don't live my there. My point is, is I did not focus on my anxiety or my stress or my worry What'd to you fix focus the on? problem. I focused on what I should be grateful for. Mm. Like, even if I didn't feel it, okay. even if I didn't feel it and it didn't feel genuine, I literally thanked God for dishes and food as I washed the dishes. Mm-hmm. And it started to begin to change my attitude and to change my thinking. People always say in the 12-step world, you, you have to act your way into new thinking. You don't yeah. think your way into new acting. You have to act your way into new thinking. And so... I really struggled in my past life with like keeping up with laundry and not having the chair in the bedroom that's just full of things piled up that you never hang up. I don't do that anymore. Um, I, I could use a chair like that. Yeah, you don't get a chair like that. That's your dresser or the bed. You put them there and I'll put them back on your dresser because I'm trying to make you put it up because I'm not and your then mom. And I yell at you for putting the jeans on the t-shirt because I was going to wear I'm the like, t-shirt again and now it's wrinkled. You'll take care of it when you take care of it. But what I'm saying is, yeah. is when I ask God to help me and I'm thanking God for having floors to mop and I'm thanking God for having dishes to eat off of and I'm thanking God for providing these things for me, it really starts to change the thinking and the internal piece. Because you can't just decide to be grateful. You have to act your way into new thinking. And so it's really easy to Mm -hmm. see if someone actually lives in gratitude to see the way they act. If someone is grateful, it's very obvious they're not complaining about their situation. They're grateful. So that's one solution. Mm -hmm. Okay. Spiritual fitness in general is a very big fitness. fitness. Here's the thing. I I want to... uh... I want to talk through sort of the things that we brought up in the beginning of the show and tell you my solution for them. Yeah. Okay. Because we talked about solutions that are good coping skills. It's- Last week on Tuesday, I about had a meltdown. You did? So Tuesdays have become rough oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. because I'm, I'm leaving in the middle of the day to do this show and I have this new position and there's a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what it boils down to is that there is a fear that my new manager is going to think that she picked the wrong person for the job. Mm -hmm. There's a fear that I am going to be judged because I'm using my lunch hour to go do something. There's a fear that people are going to look at me a certain way. So we're back into self-obsession where this is concerned. When, when we talk about the driving, it's expectations. I have placed other, I've placed expectations on other drivers that they'll drive like me. Mm -hmm. Now, the things that they do to me, I'm sure, positive, 100%, I have done to others in the past. Yeah. But because I'm not now, I yeah. expect them to You're drive like I box. do now. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so these are the things that, but both of here's, those point back to self-obsession. They always do, yeah. And so here's what I want to point out is like, our literature says that when we stop focusing on the problem and we start focusing on the solution, the problem goes away on its own. Mm. I didn't get rid of my anxiety by focusing on my anxiety. 
Right. I did not get rid of my social anxiety by focusing on talking about social anxiety. I focused on a spiritual way of life. I focused on gratitude. Yeah. I I tried to turn my thoughts away from self and into spirit or into like God's will for me and act as if. So act as if. We're going to have to talk about that again for a minute. We're going to have to talk about, okay, you're listening to us today. If you're a Christian, great. We're Christians. Yeah, but if, even but if, if you're, you're not, not, spiritual practices apply to anyone. You, why do you just have to run over me like that? I was just finishing your thought for you. You just caused anxiety. <laughs> But if you're not Christian, okay, and and wherever you're coming from, when we say God, it's the God of your understanding. Whatever you're comfortable with, because what I want to roll into now is the relief for anxiety is a faith and trust in that. Right. We happen to believe in the Christian God, Jesus, and, and we put our faith in that. But if you believe in the universe, if you believe in Hindu gods, if you believe in whatever it is. Yeah. Um, because it, it gives you a sense of higher purpose mm-hmm. instead of just, I'm in the world to please myself. Right. If I'm very focused on my happiness and my designs and my wants, and that's a very self-centered way and it's usually a miserable way. But there's another thing too, and that is when I'm worried about being judged at work or I'm worried about, Hey, you know, I've, I've been doing this appointment at my lunch, blah, 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 for what hour or whatever. If I put my faith in that human's judgment versus God, Mm-hmm. There's the problem. They're going to let you down. Things will go bad. Now, as long as I'm doing my job and I'm doing the very best that I can, it doesn't really matter what others think. It doesn't right. matter what their judgment is or if they judge or not. And it I doesn't think, matter. Right. And I want I want our listeners to know that I believe that spirit. my experience shows that spirituality plays a big role in recovery. And it also plays a big role in treating anxiety, stress, and worry. Because look, so, at, look at what you brought up earlier. You are... Um, I don't know if, can you say it on the radio? A money Nazi? Is that how you put it? A miser? I think it's probably better. Yeah, it's probably better. And why? What are you lacking faith? Right, I lack a reliance on God when I'm that stressed or obsessed about what I want the money to do. And that means I'm not trusting God to always provide for me. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at it, when we say spiritual practices, we're talking about like prayer, reading spiritual literature. We're talking about all the hundreds of different forms of meditation, of seeking to hear from God. Uh, we're, We're talking about fueling a sense of purpose about life and meaning that's something that's way deeper than just my existence. Um, Cultivating your own spirituality will help you find what you're good at, what your spiritual gifts are, and what your purpose is in life. Right. Whether that's Mother Nature, Spirit of the Universe, Right. So that's what I wanted to say. Spirituality takes many forms of different types of religion, prayer, meditation, belief in a higher power. Some people find it in nature or music or art. But it's it's relying on that power versus your own. Versus self. Right. And so I think that a lot of times the mainstream leaves out the spiritual piece because no one wants to touch on it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people suffer long-term for that because they're missing the one piece that will have supernatural possibilities in their life. People don't want to believe in the supernatural. Yeah. But I think that everybody does to some extent, whether they deny that outwardly. In- inwardly, yeah. there's you can't deny... The uh, fundamental idea of God. Yeah. But I think when you look at DNA or a human thumbprint or a snowflake, or the beauty of a sunrise or sunset, or a flower. Like, there's so much intricacy in the world, you can't deny spirituality. But thank you for listening to the show on worry, stress, and anxiety. Tune in next week. I may or may not have Donnie here with me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. Hashtag God, though.